Welcome to Movie Boners, everyone. What's up? Hey, we match. Black and black shirts with white letters. Well, yeah, we're twins. <laughs> That's cool, right? That was the lamest no. movie we have started okay. this show. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We're twins. <laughs> we're twinsies. <laughs> Twins in the same way that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are twins. Except one of us is not huge and the other God, really wish. short. I also wish but that. But you know what? I like your analogy, <laughs> so we'll stick with it. It's movie related. This is a movie show. Let's just go with it. If I could remember a couple of the lines, like some of the sarcastic... Uh, dialogue from Danny DeVito in that I would have spouted that off so uh, insert sarcasm I like that you're the Danny DeVito in this relationship (laughs) did I just that's fair this is a weird tangent yes hi Jake how's it going bud Uh, it's going good what beer are you drinking today (sighs) he's tasting it getting a good sip oh yeah um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really go with like uh, the theme because I have just been too excited and I've I've been meaning to have this beer on one of these episodes, but I just haven't been able to until right now. And I was like, it kind of works because the movie is not exactly a feel good movie. In fact, some people might say it kind of makes them feel like a like a sad panda. <laughs> Yay! I love this beer so much. It's so happy. <laughs> yes, happy birthday to you! Like I'm very later. glad that you got to enjoy it. It's like my last one, dude. I'm so happy. Yeah. <sighs> it, yeah, it's not uh, not available in Texas, no. and so somebody I'm not going to name any names must have smuggled it in. It's true smuggler. Turns out it's borderline illegal to ship beer to Texas, but. We made it happen. It is? I mean, yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, originally, not not me, somebody I know <laughs> was going to uh, use one of those alcohol delivery services and just send you beer. And uh, turns out none of them were shipping to Texas. And then, and then it's also kind of against all of the policies of like UPS and all this stuff. You have to say, no, I'm totally not sending any alcohol or oh. forbidden substances. Um, not you. I said it was... I said it was yeast samples or somebody I think said it, it would be a good idea to say it was yeast samples um, in aluminum canisters. Oh. So they, they bought it. They made it. It's true. Well, that mystery person is a fucking legend and <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> good. Yeah. It's a pretty great beer. Um, in a similar vein, mine was shipped to me recently. Oh, why? Um, <laughs> yeah, we got very lucky. Not lucky. I guess kind of lucky. Very we had very gracious, very generous um friends of the podcast. We were guests recently on the B Critics podcast, which you should know is out now. As of the day this comes out, that I think same day, same night, uh their episode drops. Yeah, so B Dash Critics check out their podcast. We did an episode with them um, and they very kindly sh- sent us beer. Um, <coughs> this they, is from... they, they did it. Some. <clears throat> oh yeah. Um, they sent it to me and then I definitely 
broke the law and sent it Damn to you. Damn it! Also. I was trying to help um, you save face. <laughs> well, I'm trying to I'm trying to help them save face. <laughs> I'll take the heat. Anyway, this is from their hometown in Charlotte, North Carolina, from the Hopfly Brewing Company. It's called Beach Beer, and it's a session IPA, which is good for beach time. Yeah, and uh, it's very very it's good. I definitely good. like it. We had. Uh, we had another one that they sent us on their show, on their episode, um, which was really cool. So definitely check it out. It's a little bonus boners concept content if you want to hear us talk about. Actually, this shirt is applicable. It, it's, it uh, kind of is. It the really Rock, is. The, the Rock wears this shirt in Fighting With My Family, um, a movie with Florence Pugh before she did Midsummer, And we talk all about that movie. And... Uh, Somehow I got you and two other people who have never seen that movie to watch that movie and talk about wrestling with me. I'm pretty psyched about it. It's like we had the choice. Do we do like a romance episode where we would have mm -hmm. to suffer the notebook again? Because <laughs> that's the only one I would make you watch. <laughs> or, or do wrestling. And I was like... Uh -huh. How the fuck did Jake pull <laughs> this, is what this happens off? When, he gave us. What? This is what happens when I I'm responsible for booking us on shows somehow. <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? Like, well, it's never gonna happen again. We're doing the wrestling one because I don't need to watch the Notebook again. Uh, you already got that out of me. You you got me to watch it again already. That's what I meant. Yeah, and that was a great time. It, it was it was something. It was all right. <laughs> Yeah, so check out the Big Critics. Let yeah. us know what you think of that. And uh, they were really that fun. Was, I think we'll that was have a good to time. maybe have them on our show at some point. Yeah, We've never had guests. We don't really know if we're coordinated enough to organize that. Dude, but we'll see. I don't think we are, but I think that could be a strength. So <laughs> it could be. It could be for sure. Or, or I'm just saying that to make us not seem quite so <laughs> schmucky. Pitiful? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Speaking of schmucky, time to check in on the movie draft. <laughs> so uh, you're still behind, unfortunately. No shit. <laughs> uh, about the same amount in the box office. Uh, rating dropped a little because The Nun 2 is not great. Um, although... <laughs> Word on the street is so critics are not liking it. We haven't gotten an audience score on IMDb yeah. yet. Critics, uh, expectedly, I think, were not psyched about it. But all of the Instagram accounts I follow, they're all the word on the street, the buzz is saying that it's surprisingly better than the first one. See, so that's something. I've seen people saying surprisingly better than the first one. And I'm going to go watch it because I've been watching the mm -hmm. conjuring universe since they started before it was even yeah. a universe um <laughs> right and now you're invested uh, yeah i'm invested so here we go um but that first nun is not good like that first nun really kind of yeah. sucks so i've seen the same <laughs> buzz of people being like shockingly it's so much better than the first one i'm like <laughs> Not a hard task to do, but yeah. we'll find out. So I'll end up seeing the nun too. I, I, 
I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that has to be something. Uh, Equalizer 3 came out, and it is seems good as far as a capper of a trilogy. Yeah. I haven't seen any of the other two Equalizer movies. It's on my list to yeah. do. Um, I think you'll dig them. I've seen the first two. I have not had a chance to see the third one yet, but I'm hoping to change that this upcoming weekend. Um, The first two are awesome. They're just cool. Very cool movies. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited about watching them when I get around to it. Uh, Yeah, and that's basically where we're at. We're both over six billion, which is a good thing, I think. Yep. Yep. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We're in the we're What is this? I guess we're in the fourth quarter. Just started fourth quarter. Yeah, so. we are out of the summer blockbuster season of movies. Uh, we've moved into the the kind of dull area of the the spooky season of Hollywood movies, <laughs> yeah. which is usually only one or two movies, like Halloween themed, and then uh, a bunch of random movies, and then we get into the holiday season in about a month and a half yeah uh but i think more people should be kind of starting to talk about what the fuck is going on with these studios still keeping their heads so far up Mm. their asses because delaying shit they're delaying shit to try and save face because they know they ain't got shit (laughs) like after this so uh it's a weird spot. I'm like, this kind of, kind of sucks. Like hopefully these Hollywood executives, you know, quit being a bunch of bitches, a bunch of <laughs> bitches. Like, <laughs> yeah, y'all are a bunch of just multi-billionaires and you're complaining and bitching that you have to pay someone to do their job. It's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I digress. Uh, well, what new movies did you watch, good sir? I watched quite a few new things. Uh, Shit. Okay. <laughs> I watched. <laughs> I watched. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. Oh, I wanted to watch that. <laughs> Which uh, is an Adam Sandler movie. It has a, a bunch of his family in it. Obviously, his wife's in all of his movies, but his two daughters are also in it, um, and they're good. It's a good, good movie. I got some good laughs out of it. I wish Adam Sandler was in it more because I think I laughed at his lines the most, of course. Oh, okay. Um, but I think I think you would like it, especially as a father of a daughter, not being Jewish, but you know, still getting the gist of where she, you know, especially teenage daughter, she's getting into like <laughs> adolescence and puberty and all that stuff. Growing <laughs> up, it's a hard thing to do. The awkward time. Yeah. So it it was fun. I recommend on the on the category of Adam Sandler Netflix movies, I think it's as good as any other. And then I watched a Hulu original movie called Boston Strangler. And it's about the Boston Strangler. Right. It has Keira Knightley and uh, Chris Cooper and Carrie Coon in it. And it was good. I thought it was pretty good. It's definitely heavy on the style of like Zodiac, where she's a, a journalist who it's based on the real journalist that finally put together all of these stranglings have similar things. And maybe it's a, motivated by someone and uh and so they deal with a little bit of like sexism in the 60s but it's not like a lot um i thought it was a good investigation and good uh overall premise christy really liked it she liked it even more than me so i think that's a recommend as well and then i've watched 
uh, the whole first season of a show that I'd found out about recently on the theme of wrestling. Um, I discovered a show that has two seasons already on stars called heels. And it, okay. ha it has Stephen Amell from arrow and Alexander Ludwig from Vikings. And they play brothers yeah. in like a small Georgia town and they have a family like wrestling company. It's basically like if glow had a baby with Friday night lights, it would be this show. And, uh, it, it's good. It's a little slow to start. Definitely like tries to introduce people that don't know anything about wrestling to the whole concept yeah. of kayfabe and heels and faces and all this stuff, which is good. You need to do it. Um, but it picks up quite a bit. And by the end of the first season, I was like really invested. So I'm excited about the second one. And then <laughs> the last new movie I watched was Barbie. Oh, you went and saw Barbie, huh? I, I went and saw Barbie. I have to say off the top, I'm not the target audience for Barbie. It's not exactly a movie for me. Um, and I will also say, because I waited so long to see it, a lot of the jokes and twists and turns and the story and stuff were kind of spoiled on me through social media anyway. So there were some things that I expected to laugh more than I did. And a lot of times when you have seen a joke already or heard the heard people talking about it when it comes up you don't laugh so much as be like oh that's where that is or at oh that's the concept yeah. context for that you know um so there was a good amount of that i will say the people that are saying it's terrible are wrong it's not terrible it's a very <laughs> fine movie people are saying that okay. it's brilliant i think are also wrong um it's not brilliant <laughs> i think it has very strong moments especially the ending is very, very strong. Um, but I think the middle gets a little messy in the writing. A lot of the dialogue I felt was poorly written. Um, but the set design and everything is great. It's, it's generally fairly fun. Uh, the people complaining about the, the, on both sides saying that it's like, well, mostly people who are criticizing it saying that it's like anti-men, I kind of get, I think that it uses, there's a truth in, in it. There's truth in the moments and it's, it, it, but the problem is that the, a lot of the truth that it presents is hyperbole. And when she goes to the real world, a lot of people complain. And I get the complaint that that's not really the real world uh, that mm -hmm. she goes to, like they call it the real world, but it's it's most people not most people's experience that every single person you interact with is catcalling you or misogynist right. or saying comments okay. and stuff and so everyone on the sidewalk every person she meets every policeman every board member of mattel are either idiots or misogynists or both um there's maybe one redeemable male character in the whole thing so it's i think that's fairly accurate um but it is also meant to be i think hyperbole compressed into a very small time frame and right. and for the people that have felt that way in the past let them be like oh yeah that's an accurate portrayal of that feeling even if you're not actually getting it every five seconds yeah. or whatever so it it it's interesting i think it's it's good and fine um but i wouldn't say i loved it all right all right <laughs> but it's also not for me so if you loved it good for you yeah 
Well, <laughs> I've been like off my game primarily just because I've been like prepping for yeah. our next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just have not been watching a whole lot of brand new stuff. Um, but I did go and it was national cinema day tickets were four bucks. So obviously I was going to make it to a theater on that day. Yeah. And the crazy thing, I was excited. Like it was bittersweet because I started looking at all the movies that were out and I did almost go and see Barbie, but then I was like, no, cause I want to see Barbie, but I would rather kind of watch Barbie with like my daughter. Yeah. I didn't have my daughter on that day. Sure. So I just skipped it, but I was excited in the sense that like most of the showings to every movie that were in multiple theaters down here mm-hmm. were like sold out throughout the day. That was exciting for me just because I love that people are going to the theaters. Yeah. Like, keep doing it. It's awesome. Uh, I managed to find a ticket at a showtime that I, I enjoy because I'm an old man and I like early mornings. <laughs> um <laughs> Gotta hit that. But I went and saw Blue Beetle. Right? I I went and saw Blue Beetle. Okay. So I was like, all right. It's it's a comic book movie, and obviously I'm a sucker for it. And curiosity was getting to me because I I wanted to see what the Man of Steel references were going to be and like what the fuck it was actually going to kind of try and set up. Yeah. And. It is entertaining. How familiar were were you with the character to go? Not very. Yeah, me neither. Not very. Um, Blue Beetle, the character was created in like 2006, I believe. Um, And he was just one of those characters that for me, and this this sounds like one of those pretentious kind of fan (laughs) things, but I was like, I don't care about. Yeah these brand new hero wannabe characters coming out. I get who they're for, but mm-hmm. I've got mine that I've grown up with and yeah, kind the of legacy the, characters. Right. Yeah. And there's um, way, way too much content about them already. So you can't keep up with that. Yeah. Everything. Um, but like blue beetles popped up and stuff that I've enjoyed throughout comics and stuff on the DC side. And I've never had a problem with the character when he pops up. So like, I kind of knew mm. a little bit, but not a lot. Which was kind of a nice thing. I like being able to go and see these comic book movies without a whole lot of context. Just to, so that way I don't have that kind of block in my yeah. my brain. Um, but the movie itself, I was like, wow, this feels really familiar on several ways. Okay. It's like there are scenes where it's trying to like completely steal humor from ant-man there's scenes where it's like this feels very wannabe iron man-esque but you're not gonna pull that off because you just can't can't be better than the Um, best right and it was fun it was entertaining but there was a lot to it that i was like this is about as mediocre of a comic (laughs) book movie as you can get i was like this feels like it should have been released in 2002 yeah maybe 2001 uh, where I, I actually think had it been made back then, if the character existed in that timeline, in right. that time, I think it would have been wildly successful. 
Yeah. If it came out during that early, the early days of the comic book movie before Marvel um, established their recipe. Right. That right. every movie follows. Um, I thought it was mediocre. It was okay. It has a couple cool scenes, but the movie itself, I really felt like, okay, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of better than flash just in terms of CGI. <laughs> uh, the CGI is better. Yeah. In some scenes. Okay. And then once again, there are some scenes where you're like, whoa that is not not well done yeah uh but it's not a spoiler it's just a fact it does nothing for either concluding or referencing the snyder verse they mentioned superman by name once okay which i took as not a man of steel reference it's a superman reference yeah it's a referencing hey don't forget we're a dc movie and we can use these properties that's exactly what it was um and it does absolutely nothing for the new james gunn dcu universe it does zero yeah nothing it's period seems like it's hard to justify its existence because it's in a weird purgatory space yeah um i did like after i saw it i was like well Aquaman's fucked like because <laughs> yeah. no one really cared about Blue Beetle and no one's going to care about Aquaman at this point. I know one cared about Flash. Like, yeah, and no one cared about Flash, which was supposed to be like the most promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, man, <laughs> this, this is a sad day, but it was entertaining. It, I didn't feel like I was cheated out of four bucks. I felt like four bucks was would you pay normal ticket prices like 850 or whatever it normally is i probably would have tried to use my free ticket to go see it to be honest (laughs) yeah which is that's that's not a a a knock on it because i like using my free tickets but yeah yeah i just i was like okay (laughs) very predictable movie very like cool Mm -hmm. uh my biggest complaint is actually susan sarandon she plays like the villainess of the movie okay (sighs) (laughs) not formidable or what not formidable uh super phoned in oh and uh you can tell like the whole time that every scene she's in all i kept thinking was like yeah, this was uh, her agent told her, you got to be in something mainstream so yeah. people still know who you are. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the younger crowd that this movie is only aiming for yeah. ain't going to give a shit about knowing who you are. And that's sad because you're a better actress and you deserve better than this. Uh, yeah, it was mediocre. I was kind of bummed about it. <laughs> And get a cool 300 grand just for showing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I was like quickly Googling Susan's random salary for Blue Beetle. What was that? <laughs> Apparently it's $300,000. All right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a bummer, but it was, it kind of was. It kind of was. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of how things are going these days. We need something to shake it up. Well, it's funny you say that, sir, because I feel like the box office did get shaken up this year a little bit, especially in the summer. Uh, True. What was it for the first time since like 2012 or something like that? 2001. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The the three biggest. 
I think it was the three biggest movies of the year box office wise are not sequels or parts of established franchises since the first time it's ever happened since 2001, which is an insane statistic. That's a crazy statistic. And I thought it was cool also that all three very different movies. Yeah. You know, you've got the family animated feature of Super Mario Brothers, which was not a Pixar film. I True. thought that's a huge win yeah. for Illumination. Um, and then we've got Barbie, which was like the comedy. Yeah. Just a straight comedy. And then you've got Oppenheimer, mm -hmm. a World War II drama that is only dialogue and yeah. three hours long and rated R. Yeah. It's hard for a like, rated R biopic to be almost a billion dollars, but it's like just <laughs> under 900 million right now. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, but I thought this is really cool that, and it's weird to say this as like a fan of these established universes and franchises, right? Yeah. But it was kind of like a nice, cool I think yeah. we needed this. It's not sequels. It's not established. Like this was originality kind of, well, granted super Mario brothers and Barbie, I guess you could say are based on <laughs> yeah. other properties, but um, yeah, super Mario is a special but regardless. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, like this felt like a, a nice needed shift. Yeah. Where it was like, Ooh, maybe this will uh, start getting people to go and see standalone movies more often again. Cause I remember growing up, like that's what you had were yeah. standalone films. Yeah. That's what you got. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And all of the, all of the movies that I remember watching as a kid that had sequels, they were kind of shitty direct to video sequels and not like, yeah, yeah a lot of uh, them with the were... exception of like star Wars and, and Raiders <laughs> and stuff. The, the big franchises. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's cool. I think it could be really interesting to see kind of what goes on. Cause I think the rest of the year has a lot of like standalone film. There's, there's a handful of uh, sequels I know, but I think there's a few newish ones coming out. Yeah, that's definitely true. I was just pulling up the list again while we're talking about it. Um, well, I guess Haunting in Venice is a sequel. Expendable 4, Saw X, those are all sequels. But The Creator is going to be huge, I think. Uh, and then you could say Wonka's a reboot. Yeah, Wonka's a weird one. Yeah. It's like the most unnecessary prequel slash reboot of all time. Right. Uh, yeah. If it actually ends up being a reboot, who knows? Um, There's a weird, so unnecessary, <laughs> a weird thing happening where like Hollywood has become anti-dwarf suddenly, and and like in You're a talking way that, about Hugh Grant being one of the Oompa Loompas, yeah, like or all, the Oompa Loompas. Yeah, I think the Oompa Loompas are all like actual non-dwarves that are CGI'd to be small, and then the upcoming snow white is has like one dwarf and like six other normal sized people and they're all like i don't know weird gypsies uh people of color and all this stuff it's a very weird looking movie but 
It's like, I don't know if it's like they think <laughs> that they're being respectful. The of not way ha- you just phrased that was so bad. <laughs> I mean, not that they shouldn't be people of color. I'm just saying that they're very obviously <laughs> trying to be, we are multicultural PC stuff. Right. But they're, they, it's, I think they're trying to be like, oh, we're not exploiting dwarves, but as if dwarves don't need jobs and, you know, want to have these roles and, I know Peter Dinklage has been critical of it, but also he's the o- only famous one out there since. Well, he. Uh, oh my God, this is the worst time to forget an actor's name. It's Warwick Davis. <laughs> Thank it's Warwick you. Davis. <laughs> I basically just validated <laughs> what you were saying yeah. without meaning to. He was like legendary, but he's also the only one you know. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's true. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what the box office looks like going forward, not just through the rest of this year, but forward in general. Yeah. See if there is like a big shift in stuff all of a sudden. Because mm-hmm. even like Fast and the Furious, it didn't have any real competition when it came out with Fast X. Yeah. And it still didn't do not what they all thought. that great. It's, it's kind of like people are burned out. Um I know some people might say, well, MI7 didn't do what it needed to do. It didn't. Yeah. But that's also because it like, it kind of got trampled. Tom Cruise was right. He, his movie got released at the wrong time. Yeah. Don't do it between the week before two of the big, two of the top movies of the year come out. Yeah. So I'd be curious had MI7 been almost, I would almost say delay MI7 yeah. to finish the summer out. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like November or something. Or even November. Yeah. They totally could have turned it into one of those like holiday season action movies that they do sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. For so sure. that, that's, I guess, what we're doing, where we're at. I agree. I can't wait to see what happens. It has definitely been a great year for movies, I think, better than last year yeah. in general. Uh, okay, so do you want to get into the actual episode? Let's do this. This is <laughs> so. This is this. a weird one. Um, if you haven't watched the movie Brick, which you probably have not heard of the movie Brick, there's there's a movie called Brick, and it's written and directed <laughs> by Ryan Johnson, who did Knives Out and The Last Jedi, and probably some other stuff. Looper, Looper, of course. Um, he made his first feature film in 2005 for the lowest budget possible and uh, stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt and it's called brick. And I've loved this movie since I saw it when it came out. I remember being in high school and somebody was like a friend of mine was super into it. He was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it changed his life. And so it is one of those movies that I remember renting from Netflix on DVD when they used to mail you DVDs. I think they still do, but that's not really the point. No, I think they actually just quit. Oh, did they? I think, yeah. Um, and and yeah, I remember popping it in and it kind of being one of the movies that spurred my love of like indie movies, like wanting to pursue and seek out more independent stuff because mm-hmm. low budget and we just did a whole episode about B movies. And so this kind of is an interesting capper to doing low budget movies 
taking the time to write it well, doing mm -hmm. as, anything that you can to do in-camera effects and all of that stuff. I think that if you do more with less, a movie tends to be better. Um, is something I've been noticing lately since we've been doing the B-movie episode and all yeah. that stuff. So I guess before we get into spoilers, how do you feel about Brick? What do you want to talk about Brick? And then we can then we can spoil the shit out of it. Because it is a very complicated movie. It's a mystery. It, it is a complicated. Well, it's a detective noir story, but set in high school. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of... I wouldn't say there's really any twists. Um, no, it's a classic for, like, mystery where he's just trying yeah. to figure out what's going on. Um, well, unlike you, oh. when I heard about Brick, uh, one of my best friends, well, my best friend, uh, growing up, he was the one that introduced me to Brick. He loved it. He told me the same thing. Brick's incredible. This movie will blow your mind. I know you like weird shit. This yeah. is right up your alley. And I was like, cool, let's watch it. And then I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> okay. I did not enjoy this movie at all. The first like five times that I saw it. Damn, you watched it five I, times. I just, well, that might be an exaggeration, but I, I could not get into it because yeah. for some reason, everyone I knew in the time that this came out, like the first couple of three years or whatever that this movie was out, mm -hmm. someone close to me had seen it for the first time, became obsessed with it, and then would want me to watch it and brag about it. And I was always like, what is with this movie? Like, I can't get into this movie at all. Yeah. It took years. In fact, I did not actually start enjoying Brick until after I saw Looper. Okay. So years later. Yeah, yeah. And I revisited Brick kind of on the weird whim that I'll go on every now and again with movies that like I mean, we did a whole episode based on this idea where you're like, it's been a while. I was not a fan of that movie. Give it another chance. But people are still kind of talking about it. And I remember where was I? I don't remember what it was, but I found a copy of it like a used copy for mm. stupid cheap. And I was like, I'll pick it up. <laughs> and if I hate it, I don't feel bad because I don't even think I spent like five bucks on it. I think I spent like two. A dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could have like, I remember it being just so inconsequential. And so I was like, if I, if I still hate it, whatever. Mm -hmm. If I end up enjoying it, then I'll just have it. Yeah. And so I sat down and rewatched it and I didn't love it, but I was like, it was better than I remember it being the first handful of times that I watched it. I was like, okay, now it's interesting. And I was, I really kept thinking like Joseph Gordon-Levitt works so well with Ryan Johnson and Looper. And I, I love Looper. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So I was like, this feels necessary. Like this feels like a staple. If you're a fan of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, this feels like that kind of movie where yeah. you gotta know this movie mm -hmm. and you kind of have to, you need to be a fan of this movie or at least appreciate the movie. So 
I have watched it a lot <laughs> and I have grown to become a fan of it. Okay. Uh, even before you made the suggestion for the deep dive into the episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was thinking about that prepping for this episode of like, man, I really hated this movie when it came out <laughs> and there are still some things to it that I don't love. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to ask, I can forgive it. I was going to ask, what yeah. are the things that you hated about it when you first saw it? So right out the gate, I hated the dialogue. The dialogue is, day, is a barrier, I think. Yes. And to this day, the dialogue, I don't hate it anymore, mm -hmm. but it always takes me several scenes into the movie before I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. Of yeah. course, then you meet, uh, what's his name? Doge. And his name alone is just like, <laughs> oh, what a stupid fucking name. <laughs> and like, there's this, and, and I get what Ryan Johnson was trying to do with it. He's trying to like bring in this weird noir style lingo, mm -hmm. but for a, the younger generation kind of idea. Yeah, with and, like their uh, hip uh, phrases and. Yeah, yeah slang um, and all that stuff so the dialogue was weird to me i thought the premise the whole premise i thought was like this is just so unrealistic mm -hmm. like i could not get behind it now i can watch it as kind of like a I, I don't know. I, I'm able to accept it now. Yeah. It's still super ridiculous to me, but I'm <laughs> able to accept it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think the concept is very, definitely very out there, but, and I think because it's so stylized, both the dialogue and the concept, a noir detective story in a high school uh, with high schoolers and the various cliques also need to yeah. fit the various, archetypes of a noir story um the dialogue is very stylized and that can be something that you love or something that you hate and i i really oh, yeah. loved it but it is definitely a barrier in the sense that it is hard to understand it takes you a while to figure out what they're even saying what's going on you kind of get like the gist maybe of what they're saying the first couple times you yeah, watch it. You're, you're able to figure out what they actually, what the, what the context actually is. But for someone who is so hypercritical about every gen, our generation as well, mm -hmm. uh, our slang. Yeah. And, and gen like every generation's kind of like new slang that kicks in. Mm -hmm. I'm like our our language, American English, is already so like overpopulated with slang. Yeah, and we don't need any more. Stop making up <laughs> words. Stop changing definitions entirely for words. Like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> this is our old manness coming through because it, yes and it very much is so <laughs> like brick kind of puts me in check because it's like i know what the movie's intention is yeah the slang is a little like off-putting but i i'm okay with it these days i think what kind of helped was like i started putting brick in the same or not the same i guess but in kind of a parallel lane Mm -hmm. to like uh 
Romeo and Juliet, the one they did in the 90s, where the dialogue is the actual dialogue from Shakespeare's yeah. Romeo and Juliet, but it's set in 1996. With uh, like high schoolers and beaches it, and guns. In, yeah, in California, like they're calling guns swords and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Brick follows that kind of rule. Kind of. Kind of. And so I, I kind of like... If I can accept Romeo and Juliet and the yeah. style that movie was, I should be able to accept Brick in the style it is. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped me kind of bridge my. That's a really interesting point. I think that you're right about that. I just happen to be more of a fan of noir detective stories than I am of Shakespeare. <laughs> and that's fair. That's yeah. fair. And But I, I liked, I also think. I think you're totally right when you say it's ridiculous and it's a ridiculous story. One of the things I like about it though, is that it never blinks at the fact right. or it doesn't, it doesn't wink at the audience. Like it knows that it's ridiculous or it never blinks and flinches that to like give up the fact that it's just being sincere and complete mm-hmm. of what it is. Um, even at its most ridiculous moments, it gets, it gets deep into this high school uh, underground criminal syndicate uh, of drug dealing and kingpins and all of this stuff. Um, but it, it, it continues as if that's all real. And so you kind of end up starting to believe it. You're like, okay, I guess it must be true. They haven't told me. I think, I think that's actually ultimately why brick works. Yeah, And kind of what made me become a fan of it was because there's so many moments in it where it should wink at the audience. It should do something tongue in cheek. It should, if not flinch, yeah, kind of like backtrack a little bit. There are so many moments in the movie that it should do all of those things. Mm -hmm. And instead it just leans even further into the story and then, and not even ironically, not even as a joke, it's just so sincere about what the material is. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what makes Brick work is because yeah. it, when it should wink at the audience, when it should flinch, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ryan Johnson had a really interesting quote about it. He said that teen movies in general often have an unspoken underlying premise in which high school is less serious than the adult world. But when your head is encased in that microcosm of the most serious time of it's the most serious time of your life. Like it's, it's everything to be in high (laughs) school and with those people around you and the, the, what they think about you and all that stuff. So I think that it does a good job of presenting that. I forget what the quote was. It may, I think we were talking about the same one. Yeah. Where he was talking about like, high schoolers tend to view like their viewpoint of that time or situations during high school is so serious Mm -hmm. and they take everything, you know, face value or like they overthink some things that they shouldn't be overthinking. It's just, it's such a darker mentality to a high schooler living through the high school world than an adult living or than an adult from the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was an interesting thing. I had never, thought about that or read his quote about that kind of stuff until prepping for this episode. And then, cause I watched it a couple times for this. Yeah. And the second time I rewatched it, 
I tried thinking of like what he was meaning by that. And I was very much like the movie makes even more sense. If you think of it from like the overthinking mind mm-hmm. of a teenager during a stressful situation in high school and how yeah. quickly it can become so blown out of proportion. <laughs> yeah. Um, granted the movie, every scene that gets blown up out of proportion is like, it's a very serious moment and that actually happens in the movie. Um, yeah. It's all pretty real to the point of people getting murdered and yeah. And stuff. Um, but yeah, my, my first initial, I, really hated the movie but it has grown on me over the years and it is fun to go back and rewatch it because it was before joseph gordon levitt had that big mm-hmm. gordon levitt boom that he had in the late 2000s early 2010s yeah um so it's fun seeing him right before mm-hmm. that boom happened for him because i remember brick came out no one really paid any attention to to him yet and then he started just getting cast and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it also stars uh, Emily DeRaven, who you will probably know as Claire from Lost. From Lost. Uh, which Lost started in 2004. This movie came out in 2005. So it was very early on for her as well. Mm-hmm. And she's a great yeah. actress. I feel like she should be in so much more. Oh, yeah, 100%. And there's a lot of other like little, oh, I, I know that guy. He's just really young. <laughs> or I know that actress. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of what to, to break down and talk about, man, this movie's like weird. I think um, I, didn't, I didn't quite know how to prep for this one. So <laughs> I, I felt like, I feel like Jake has a vision and that's oh, no. kind of the direction we should go for. Because oh, I no. feel like... He, I don't know. Oh, I don't have a vision. Oh, no. I don't know what we're oh, going to do. No. Um, I do know. <laughs> I mean, I know the gist of the movie, and I know what we're going to talk about. We'll definitely talk about spoilers. So if you haven't seen Brick. Yeah, which those are coming up. Yeah. I, I yeah. guess we should just might as well say, like, yeah. here's your spoiler warning. We're going to talk about spoilers. I think if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. If you like noir detective films, this one is a different kind. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that when Ryan Johnson wrote it, he didn't and directed it and made the movie. He didn't want any of the cast watching like film noir movies. Yeah. Right. He like only gave them novels and novellas and books to read to kind of prepare. And then even though the movie itself does still lean heavily on the film noir of Hollywood and stuff, um, there's a lot of great references to the Maltese Falcon, which is one of my favorites of all time. Um, and so if you like those kinds of things and you like a mystery of a, of a gumshoe investigating a, a, a missing girl and an underground a syndicate or whatever, this is basically that. It's just set in high school with teenagers and uh, in the very weird jargon. So if you can get past the jargon, I think you would like it. The music is great. There's like The music is great. I really like the music. It's and- very... Uh, not just like saxophones and like cliche stuff, but also really original, interesting kind of industrial odd, odd instruments are used and stuff. It's off putting at times. It's really good. Um, I will say like, even when I hated the movie, there were still a couple scenes in it that I was like, that's really well shot (laughs) Mm -hmm. or that's really well 
written. Like I really like, I, I can respect that part of it. Um, and maybe that's kind of what helped also bring me into it. Cause I know I've mentioned it before of like, I'll hate a movie, but one scene will always stick in my mind as being like, Oh, that was a good scene. Mm-hmm. And then I'll revisit it and forgive the whole movie just for that one. I think brick kind of started going down that road, but I genuinely became a fan of it. Um, and we'll get to the scene that is, it's my favorite scene. It's also the final scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's I mean, there's a lot of really good scenes, especially for a guy who had not done a feature film before to not just write very good writing. I feel like it's a very well written script, very well written dialogue, even if it is a little different and odd. Um, but it's also very well shot. There's a lot of interesting framing and, and 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 movements and blocking and all of that stuff. It does a really good job of it. And because it's so low budget, he does a lot of really interesting in-camera effect things. Like yeah. it's low budget. They don't have stunt people. They don't have all like formally. They're working with young actors, not formally trained like stuff. And so he does really interesting things like the, the punch of when uh, Tug comes out into the, to the, uh, car and he goes to slug him the uh, the speed of that always seemed a little odd to me and i was looking oh yeah at it. it is and yeah they like as he cocks back his fist he, they freeze in and and wait and then they turn down the speed of the camera to like six frames a second and then they just slowly act <laughs> out the scene and then they sped it back up to normal speed so it's it looks cool it looks really interesting there's a lot of really good shots in it um, but it's, it, I think it's definitely an interesting movie for, I think loop blooper is probably my favorite Ryan Johnson movie. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into star Wars right now. You know how I feel about star Wars and the last Jedi. <laughs> I was wondering uh, if you were even going to include it when you were going to like break down credit. what movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like... he's responsible for that piece of shit, but still I'm saying, <laughs> Uh, even even Knives Out, I think, is his most popular movie that people like. I've always felt like Knives Out was okay. I've been meaning to revisit it, but I wasn't like in love with it. I thought it was okay. Um, Brick and Looper, I felt, were the most interesting, and they're also the most original and most yeah uh, low budget and all that stuff. Um, one thing that's funny is Brick before he made Brick he made a short film called evil demon golf ball from hell, which seems like something that fits right into our last episode with all of those crazy movies we talked about. Um, I kind of feel like that's the Ryan Johnson. I want like that. He's, he's the brick guy. He's the demon golf ball from hell. I want the feature film of that. He's the, I mean, brothers bloom is good. Looper is great, but since he's gotten huge, I feel like quality has tanked. I, uh, I really like knives out. Um, it's entertaining, but I like knives out primarily for Daniel Craig. Okay, sure. I, I think the, the script is a lot of fun. It's cool. I just introduced my daughter to it. She thought it was really fun. Um, she was very invested into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it has the greatest twist of all time that people talk about. Um, I think it's got a fun conclusion to it. I thought Mm -hmm. glass onion was real. Like 
this is not <laughs> good. Like, oh, no. I was entertained, but the whole time I was just thinking like, man, this is not mm-hmm. that this is totally obvious sequel slump right here. Yeah. Um, like you, everyone knows how I feel about Last Jedi. Fuck that movie. It's <laughs> so bad. Um, Looper is fantastic. Brothers Bloom, I am always sad that like no one knows that movie exists. It's so, good. Like it's genuinely a good movie. Yeah. More people should see it. Um and then Brick, I've become a fan over the years. It took a long time. <laughs> so I don't know how I would rank Brick. It would probably be below knives out just because it's taken me so long over the sure. years i mean it came out in 2005 yeah um it wasn't like an took, immediate love or anything yeah um i enjoy it like i am a fan of it these days but well the last handful of years but mm-hmm. uh okay i think looper i would say looper is probably his best movie and i'm i'm with you i kind of wish uh he would kind of like take a step back Mm -hmm. and maybe go back to some of the lower budget style filmmaking that he's that he established himself with yeah i think that would be cool to see him go back to yeah kind Um, of like a wes anderson thing like just you know your lane and what you are good at do do that that because you're great at that (laughs) um yeah, I, I kind of like, you know, with Wes, or not Wes Anderson, because he always stays in his lane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's defined <laughs> a lane. He can't leave if he wants. It, if Wes Anderson ever makes a movie that has, like, kind of standard blocking and standard, <laughs> like, it'll be weird for people, I think. I um, would be so interested in, like, if he did a mainstream normal action movie or drama yeah, or something like, they're like from wes anderson the director of <laughs> you're like what royal tenenbaums <laughs> and asteroid city mm-hmm. and fantastic mr fox fast and furious 22 <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing i would get back into it um but like oh whoops i moved i moved my camera uh like Sam Raimi um, with yeah. like lower budget horror films, you know, Sam Raimi moved into the superhero realm, tried to go back into the horror world with drag me to hell, mm-hmm. which I think was so much better and more entertaining than it got credit for or yeah. still gets credit for it. That movie is hilarious. It's good. And to anyone who was like, this is weird. Why is the <laughs> goat demon thing, you know, having a fist fight with the chick, like, He's going back to Evil Dead roots. Yeah. That's important. He's bringing that back. I was really excited when he did drag me to hell. I was stoked. I was like, the Sam Raimi I love is back. Well, you and, the problem with that is you get fans that are like, and you get marketing departments that are like, mm-hmm. from the director of Spider-Man comes a right. horror movie. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's a horror guy making the horror I, yeah, movie. Yeah, like, no, the director of Evil Dead. Like, yeah. That's how you should have promoted it. Um, I think Ryan Johnson, I, I feel the same way with Ryan Johnson as I do with Sam Raimi, where it's like, I wish, mm-hmm. I wish they would go back to those cheaper filmmaking days where you could tell they were having more fun, or at least I feel like they had more fun 
yeah. making the lower budget, the the interesting original scripts. Um, I think that I think it really cemented for me that I'm not as big of a Ryan Johnson fan as I think I initially thought I was when mm-hmm. I watched Glass Onion. Yeah, because that movie totally was just like, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, like it has a couple of really funny moments in it. Um, but I just felt like it tried too hard Mm -hmm. and it was almost like, Ooh, you could feel that there was pressure. Like you have to match knives out or do better. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I feel, I wonder if it would have been the same if knives out hadn't been so hyped because I mean, in my personal opinion, I think it was overpraised. I think it was good. I don't think it was mm -hmm. as, I think it got way more praise than it deserved if it got more of a medium amount of praise, if the sequel would have had less pressure less, we have to do the same thing only better. We have to establish this style, establish this world, establish these characters. Um, If it was more like just, I don't know, maybe freedom comes with that, I don't know, but that's kind of how it feels to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And who knows? I mean, I forgot to look up like what he has on the docket, which might not be anything right now. Fuck you. Hollywood execs. Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh, I can look really quick. He's got upcoming Knives Out 3. Uh, apparently, untitled Star Wars trilogy episodes 1, 2, and 3 are still being credited to him. I don't know if that's oh, true. God. At least writing. He has one director's <laughs> credit for episode 1. So apparently, even though the after Last Jedi, we're not talking about Last Jedi, but even though after Last Jedi, uh, they <laughs> pulled the plug and went back to J.J. Abrams, apparently they are going back to Ryan Johnson. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, all that's, this, all that's credited to on. him is Knives Out 3 and Star Wars. So he's very much not doing what we just said he should do. Right, right. He's going the exact opposite. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they gave glass onion a 7.1 i think that is way generous uh knives out has a 7.9 i'm kind of with you i very much enjoy knives out it's a i genuinely like Mm -hmm. it's a good movie i very much enjoy it um but i'm with you i think it got overhyped when it came out i i remember watching it in the theater and when the ending came up it was kind of like duh (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it kind of relied on maybe trying too hard to subvert expectations but then it ended up being like yeah that's the most logical normal thing <laughs> i was waiting for you to have a twist like every other surprise movie does but then you were just like but that's... no the normal thing that you would expect happened and i'm like oh okay yeah you're like oh all right cool 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 um but back to brick. Yeah, I, I'm with you though. I think if he went back and and even, I think it'd be cool to see him revisit the actual detective mm. noir side of stuff. I agree. Um, I agree. Maybe not base it in high school because you, you don't want to polarize everyone again. Yeah. Uh, but maybe go back to that style, you know? Or I've never watched it, but he he came out and said that spaghetti westerns and the mm-hmm. anime or manga uh, cowboy bebop were like yeah. inspirations on the style, uh, and the main character of Brendan in Brick. Mm-hmm. So maybe he should 
it'd probably be too much of a budget, but maybe he should look into like, what would he be able to do to do a, a cowboy bebop movie or something? I've never watched it. I probably won't ever. I'm sure I just made a whole bunch of people <laughs> scream and be like, no. And I yeah. totally understand that feeling. I know the name. Um, I don't know anything about it. I don't even know if there's actually cowboys in it, but that seems to make sense. Cowboy bebop and, and spaghetti westerns that seems like that would combine but well. i don't think there are cowboys in cowboy bebop well it's it's japanese so they don't know anything about cowboys I mean, it's not the old west it's japan <laughs> um well in that way maybe he should try and make like a spaghetti western style yeah like, if that's what your root is mm -hmm. go to your roots show some of your roots like that could be really cool i totally think I think he should step away from science fiction. Yeah. Like as a whole. And, and I say that as a big fan of Looper, mm -hmm. um, but I think he should step away from anything really science fiction side. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he's dove in that pool a little much. We've seen what he does <laughs> with sci-fi. He's splashed he around gets a little excited. Yeah. Um, when Almost. he doesn't have someone being like, he needed a okay lifeguard to pull him out. <laughs> right um plus i, I kind of i like i mentioned it earlier i really love brothers bloom mm -hmm. every time i watch it i think it's just it's such an interesting story i think the cast is great i think the direction that movie goes and the way he mixes drama with the comedy but it feels like very mm -hmm. human in a lot of scenes um I think he should go back to that kind of stuff. Like I, I want to see more of that side of him. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I think fame kind of got to him. I think the last Jedi kind of broke him. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Last Jedi fucking sucks. Anyway. So brick <laughs> is a movie about uh, Brendan. He's a high school student. Who's a loner. He's kind of out on the, out on the, tracks he's a, a doesn't have a click doesn't have any friends well he has one friend he has a friend named brain who brain is the best character in the movie so i well, saw an interesting character i saw an interesting we're going to talk about the real movie now so if you haven't watched brick go ahead and go watch it otherwise we're going to get into spoilers i saw an interesting thing that said is it possible that the character of brain is actually in Brennan's head and not a real character, kind of the fight club thing. And I think they say that because brain doesn't interact with anybody else besides Brennan. No, he doesn't. And uh, I think it's possible, but I prefer not that for that to be the case. I'd rather that he be a real dude. Uh, who's just another really? student who's a kind of a more, yeah, I don't think, I think that that's a wanting it to be more interesting than it is thing. And I don't think you need that. I think it's interesting enough as it is with Brain just being his friend who kind of mm -hmm. isn't on the outs like Brendan is. He's a little bit more not super popular, but also knows more about what's going on in the school because people will actually talk to him. He's not uh, not an outcast. And so Brendan can go to him and like, hey, what's the deal with Emily? What's the deal with uh, Laura? All these people. and. Mm -hmm brain kind of knows more but also doesn't really know more because he's not popular um i like that kid as like a real kid i think that makes the most sense to me 
See, I'm a fan of the uh, the fan theory of brain only being in Brendan's head. Yeah, I think it's fun. Um, of course, hearing you say that you think it's uh, people kind of trying to force it to be more interesting than it is kind of makes me feel challenged. And I'm like, <laughs> there, there might be some truth to that. Okay. Um, but if he's not of like voice of reason or whatever, mm-hmm. Uh, inside Brendan's mind and he is just Brendan's one actual friend I do still like that just as much yeah Um, because I think Brendan needs brain around obviously not just as like the person he has unassumingly or unassumingly like getting information Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what he does and you have to assume that everyone at the school feels unthreatened by brain for him to be able to move about. Yeah. Um, But I I think Brendan also kind of needs brain more so just as a a calibrator. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if he, if Brendan doesn't check in with brain, obviously in the movie, when you've watched him checking in with brain, it's, he's trying to get info, but I also Mm -hmm. take that as he's checking in with brain as kind of a keeping himself in some kind of line. Cause every time Mm -hmm. he checks in with brain, it's either right before he's about to do something really stupid (laughs) or right after he does something really stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's just had a fight with the jock or he's about to, the one thing that kind of makes me feel like it could be true that he's just a, a side of his imagination mm-hmm. or whatever is this is I told you there were going to be spoilers. So if you're still listening, it's, it's the final on, scene. Shame on you. No, not the final scene, but the scene oh. before after Emily has died and Brendan goes to brain and says, M's gone. Um, he's talking about like trying, he tells brain, tell me to drop it. Tell me to move on that. This yeah. isn't, isn't my problem. And brain's like, drop it. This isn't your problem. And he's like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's very much that Brain knows that he's just telling him what he told him to say, but he also knows he's not going to listen to it because he's he's thick. And uh, and I think that that dynamic kind of plays into the theory, um, but it also plays into good friends that know each other very well that Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what you told me to do, but I also know you're not going to do what you (laughs) You're not going to listen to it. Yeah, because when Brain says it back to him, it's very like off the you know just who cares <laughs> yeah like don't do this all right <laughs> like i'm yeah. not surprised you're still going for it i'm gonna do it anyway yeah <laughs> um i don't think saying that emily has died is a spoiler okay fair uh, her is... body is on the cover of the dvd <laughs> her arm. and her Okay, her body is the opening shot of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It does open with the saying, "Brendan finds a dead body," and, and so you kind of know that uh, that's what's up. Uh, I like the opening of the movie. I think that the concept is it's shot very well. It's very interesting and it's very off-putting of Brendan looking at this body in the partly in the water in like a causeway or a ditch or whatever. And then cuts to the title card of two days earlier. Mm -hmm. I like that it's 
that when it goes back in time, you know that it's not very far back in time. Yeah. And that makes you feel like, oh, then we're about to get to that scene that we just saw pretty quickly. And there's kind of an pretty urgency. Quick. You, you have a, a pretty quick understanding that the movie is not going to take its time to get to where like shit's hitting the fan. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of understand right away, like, oh, things are going to escalate very fast. And they do. Yeah. Like <laughs> you get two days previous, you get note and locker, frantic phone call, body. <laughs> like, or, frantic phone call, uh, quick meetup, kind of argument, not really an argument, body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like taking notes. I was like, Brennan goes to talk to Brent. No, like Brennan gets a note. Brennan goes to the intersection. He gets a phone call. Emily says this. And I was taking like all these notes and I had taken so many notes. And I was like, it's been 30 minutes and there's like an hour and a half left of this movie. <laughs> so I was like, I need to stop. I just can't. I don't, I don't even know yeah. how we're going to talk about this movie. There's so many things to go over, but well, we'll just go through it. This was one, unlike when you and I talked uh, Blade Runner, where we were able to find, at least to us, stuff mm -hmm. that represents hidden meanings and metaphors and all this allegory. Yeah. Uh, I don't find anything like that in brick. <laughs> no, it's just a story. Like, and it's kind it's of just a story. It's kind of refreshing in the sense it, it that is. you don't have to dig too much. It's, you just have to dig through the dialogue to figure out what's going on. But <laughs> the story is enough of just telling an interesting story. Yeah, it that's a good way that you put it of it's kind of refreshing. I, I did think of that the first watch that I did for this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like almost towards the end of the movie. And I found myself just kind of being like, oh, there's like there's no hidden message here. There's no agenda. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like even movies that have agendas that I am all for. And as everyone knows, I can dive pretty deep into a, like a, a meaning. Yeah. Um, I, I did find myself watching brick and being like, this is like just straight, <laughs> like for a drama movie, there's no, like you are not supposed to see yourself in Brendan. In fact, you're kind of supposed mm -hmm. to be the opposite where you're watching Brendan just make terrible decisions for kind of a, a good cause ish ish you have to kind of put yeah. an asterisk on it uh yeah you're he's like he's you don't the see protagonist but also he's the protagonist but he's also i mean he's not hasn't been the best boyfriend to M. he is a loner you don't really know if he's a piece of shit or not but he's kind of like every good film noir detective kind of a little bit of a gray area i think yeah yeah He's going to do some like villainous things to find out, mm -hmm. you know, something good or find out answers. Yeah. Um, whether they're the answers Morally you want to know or not, which I kind of appreciate where like, as you start learning more about Emily and everything going on around her, which we will spoil mm -hmm. in a little bit. Um, I like that the dread around everything Emily just kind of like escalates where you're like, 
this chick mm -hmm. really made poor decisions and it kind of sounds like it started <laughs> with brendan not being the world's greatest but she loved him but then they broke up because some dude named jer got busted <laughs> by the bulls which is slang for cops and you're like oh and brendan's kind of a bit of a snitch because he's working for the cops and the school board and the SBP. Like, it, it, yeah yeah <laughs> the assistant <laughs> vice principal there's a lot of questionable decision making and then i don't know if it's just the parent side of me but i also <laughs> remember thinking of this when i saw it when i was young mm -hmm. um but brick might have arguably the worst parents in the history of film <laughs> who like never show up yeah. and that's part of the problem <laughs> yeah that is part of the problem i when i saw this as a teenager i remember being like this movie is so cool these kids are so grown up and then seeing it now i'm like where is your mother <laughs> what are you doing i was like brendan do you ever fucking go home if yeah. I was your dad, I'd be like hunting you down, mm -hmm. getting your ass into your room, being like, guess who's not leaving the house for like two months? It does make you wonder what their family life is like, because you don't see a lot of it. It can't be good. I really enjoy, though, probably my maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie, because it reminds you so hard that this is kids in high school, is the scene where... <laughs> You've gotten deep into the story. Brennan's investigated. He's found the pin, the king pin. Yeah. And he's gone to his like secret lair in the basement with all of his minions and, and his muscle and all that stuff. And he gets beaten up. And you're like, oh, no. And then he comes to and he goes upstairs to have milk and cookies with his mom because he lives <laughs> at home still. And he's 26 years old. And you're like, thanks, Mrs. Kingpin. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is like cereal and apple juice in, in their she's kitchen. like, okay, I'll let you do whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah. Kiss on the cheek and she leaves. And you're like, you're the worst mom. <laughs> yeah. Your kid is a drug kingpin, literally. I don't know how you don't know this. Okay. <laughs> no offense to this actor, because... I can never remember his name, but I know every time I've seen him show up in something, I'm like, he's a good, like, he's a good actor. He's a young actor. I feel like I've seen him in a lot of stuff, but I couldn't tell you what I've actually seen him in. You're talking about Lucas Haas, the, the, the pin? Yeah. Yeah. I had a, <laughs> like, a water bottle <laughs> fell off my counter. That was a ghost is what it was, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about lucas uh, haas and oh yeah yeah lucas haas so he uh he might be no offense to this dude <laughs> he might be the least intimidating drug kingpin mm -hmm. ever put on film and I cannot take, you know, what shot just like, first off, when he slowly turns around in the chair in the basement on his like introduction scene and he's wearing his like wannabe Dracula cloak with the cane. Yeah, he's got a little cape on it. Yeah, you're like, okay, <laughs> so this this would track for a high schooler trying to be like a badass, right? Thinking he looks incredible, but it's just not working. Mm hmm. 
But you know what scene makes me be like, <laughs> wouldn't take this dude serious for a second, is your favorite scene where they're at the table. But it's just the shot of his feet, like uh-huh. his feet and Brandon's feet facing, you know, one, you know, facing in front of each other. Yeah. Just the absurd boot choice that they gave him. I don't know why, but I'm like, I can't take the deep. Like, I can't, I can't do it. I thought you were going to talk about the fact that it's a little later, but the scene where Brendan goes into his car and for some oh, reason, the, the van. Back, yeah, the back seat of the van has a lamp, like, like a living room lamp set up in it. Yes. It kind of looks cool, but then at the same time, you're like, why do you have a lamp in your car? <laughs> like, this is so impractical. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like, what fucking gangster movies did this guy watch <laughs> to think that's how I'm going to look? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's odd. It's an odd choice. I I also want to know where this high schooler managed to score the amount of money he would have to have to get 10 bricks mm-hmm. of heroin. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean, he's not the kingpin for nothing. He knows where to get heroin. He knows how to get it with whatever money he has uh yeah he is set up i mean the dude is loaded and he lives in a house with a like raggedy mailbox out front (laughs) yeah it's it's middle class lower middle class california like 80 style wood paneled walls in the basement (laughs) of his home yeah yeah i cannot be jake He's not you moving be weight. On He's only got 10 bricks, but for a high schooler, I mean, a baby kingpin, that that's is, a lot. That's 10. Bri- that's, it's, that's it's more than I've ever had. That's, if could, I've learned anything from the gangster movies where drugs are involved, which is all of them. Yeah, I mean, that's a cornerstone of being a gangster. It, it's kind of cornerstone. A brick is worth a lot of money. Yeah. And all those gangster movies pretty much take place in like the seventies. So if you add inflation to it, then it's even more expensive. (laughs) That's true. So I want to know where, don't know how much of a dork I am. I just Googled how much does a brick of heroin cost? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that Google knows the answer to that. Google's like, all right. It's like, hey, nerd, you can't find heroin on Google. Like, you can buy a lot of shit on our on our site, but this is probably not one of those things, dude. No, I need to go to the dark web to find this. Oh, look, street cost of heroin. Hold on, I'm almost there. Oh my god, how many grams are in a brick? Oh wait, here we go. Ten thousand to a hundred thousand dollars per brick or kilogram of heroin. So this okay. kid has between what does he have? Ten of them. Ten between, of them between a hundred thousand dollars and a million dollars, and apparently enough to pay off all of his uh, his goons minions who yeah. dress the exact same way. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. He's I mean he's legit. He's he's, he's, he's apparently legit. He's apparently you would legit. think. You would think with that much money, his house would be more like the party house, Laura's house at the beginning. 
Laura's house is a bit much. Laura's house is a little bit eyes wide shut, but with high schoolers <laughs> and Halloween costumes. Yeah, you do get a little worried. You're like, where is this going? I'm not going to like I've seen the movie several times. It had been a moment since I had rewatched it, though, before we uh, before I started prepping for this episode. And when I put it in that first time, I kind of forgot about the big Halloween costume party. Mm hmm. And when he walks into it and like everyone's in their rooms having their conversations in their costumes and you see the people walk past him, I had two thoughts. <laughs> First, I was like, I don't remember there being weird, freaky cult sex in this movie. <laughs> there's not like I even looked at the rating was like, there's not. OK, we're safe. <laughs> and then my second thought was like. This is kind of a it's kind of a boss move from Brendan to just walk into this party Mm -hmm. Looking the way he does and just being like, I don't give a fuck right. about any of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. He wears the same outfit the whole movie, basically. Yeah. Which again, where is your mom to be like, <laughs> you need to change. You Who dresses smell you bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get your girlfriend broke up with you two months ago, but get over it. <laughs> right. Uh yeah, that hello that costume party. Well, before we get to the costume party, I feel like a good thing to kind of break down are the characters. We started with the yeah. brain. Um Brendan is pretty standard, honestly. Like he's very intelligent. He's your detective. Right. Um not Laura, the theater chick, the like Kara. Kara. Yeah. She she feels gross to me. Um, <laughs> is it because she has like the how you're introduced to her is interesting because Brennan talks to Brain and they talk a little bit about Kara and how Brennan dated yeah. her before. Um, and then they describe her as a vamp chick or something, which is I didn't expect a black girl when he described her as a vamp chick, but. Then he goes to find her in a theater. A very non-2023 of you, Jake. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Well, it's very 2005 <laughs> of me, actually. Thank you very much. But they go to the theater because they do describe her as a drama nerd, which makes sense. And the the part that I think is off-putting that you're getting to is the fact that she has like a kid in her lap or yeah. on the floor in front of her. You don't really know. He's below frame mostly. But... Brendan comments on it and says, you're still, you know, snacking on freshmen or something. Uh, and, right. And, uh, and calls him her lap dog or something like that. And you're like, what's happening right now? <laughs> uh, yes, you are correct. I saw that and was like, Ooh, that's weird to me. Don't yeah. like that. <laughs> um, I grew up in a time, my high school in the early two thousands, now, granted, I graduated in 05, um, so I was kind of out of high school when Brick came out, mm -hmm. but or just leaving high school. Um, but my high school experience was not anything like that. Typically, <laughs> if there was like a chick like Kara who tried to, I guess, make pets out of the younger classmen yeah. uh we refer to them as bitches and wanted <laughs> nothing to do with them yeah that's wise don't get involved with anybody <laughs> who wants to make you their lapdog as a general rule of thumb yeah 
Um, and then has several of them. Mm-hmm. At least they allude to her having several of them. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It has some sort of power and you don't really know what her, you figure out over the course of time, what her relationship is with the kingpin and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you got Kate, you got Kara, you have Emily, who's the main girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. Um, and she's gone missing. That's the whole point of the movie. Her, she has a phone call to Brennan, which at the beginning of the movie describes kind of the movie does this a couple of times where it starts picking up its pace and talking more quickly and stringing yeah. words that you don't understand together. And <laughs> it's a little bit, you don't know that it's going to happen, which I think would make you feel more at ease if you knew that Brennan doesn't know what these words are either. But, <laughs> but you learn later when he talks to brain that he's like, she, I had a call with him and, uh, she said four words I don't know. And I was like, oh, good. Those are all the four words I don't know. So that's helpful. <laughs> and she says like brick and the pin and tug and I think Fraser or something. Um, so tug is another character. Tug is the kid in the white tank top and white hat. He's the muscle, I guess. With with the single strand of hair coming down yeah, just above the, his eyebrow. The black Mustang. Um, that's Tug you find out and then uh laura is kind of another good big big character she's the girl at the i guess her house is the big wise wife yeah her house is the big party um which is like the exclusive party you had to have like a special invite which is just that picture of like the screaming face or not the screaming face it's like it's a mask like yeah it's a mask it's like all red and black Again, all um, eyes wide shut, secret yeah, invitation. Yeah, yeah, very much so, right? You're <laughs> like, Ooh, what? I thought this was crime ring, not uh, cool yeah. tea. This is no details, just a phone number to call. <laughs> right. Um, it, and I love how for this is very high schooly, and this part is kind of funny to me. I don't know that it was meant to be funny, but it made <laughs> me chuckle. Okay. Um, when he calls the number. Uh-huh. And he's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I go to school with them. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Here's the address for the party. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I like how he's <laughs> kind of evades giving details. He's like, yeah, this is Tom. I go to school with <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, sure. Let me get Laura on the phone for you. Like, right. Thanks, Laura's mom. <laughs> Yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> Is Laura available? Can I talk to Laura about the party? <laughs> uh, and Laura is with... I wrote it down. Not Dode. She's with the jock guy. Yeah, the jock guy who's always like on his pulpit for the two scenes that you really see him in. Yeah, um, he's constantly blabbering about how he wasn't put in the game and if he was put in the game it would have been like they would have totally won but she's like we'll never know we'll never know (laughs) she's like with him at first and then you find out later through the course of the movie because brennan gets in a fight with him just to find out if he's the pin the kingpin or not and uh, turns out he's not he's just some douche i like the fight though by the way yeah, I think that the fight that they have is is cool, and I like how Brendan 
Brendan handles it. Um, I also like how through the course of the mystery, Brendan gains like damage to his body. He gets more and more beat up as time goes on. (laughs) And like lack of sleep and probably a couple of concussions later. Yeah. It does start taking a toll on him. Yeah. Between running and chasing footsteps in the tunnel and getting scuffed up or getting in a fight with the jock or getting getting attacked getting stabbed by a dude or (laughs) all of the stuff yeah he definitely is worse for wear by the end of the movie which i think it works well with the pacing of the movie the movie is so well paced Mm -hmm. in the sense that it's like there's an urgency to everything he does and all the scenes and dialogue are very snappy so it moves very very well but you feel like him where you're very tired by the end of it (laughs) Uh, and then you have Doge, which is this uh, greaser dude kind of burnout. Yeah, who they hang out behind the pie of... shop. Who hangs out behind the pie? And that's where I would hang out if I was a burnout. <laughs> um, the scene with him cracks me up. I actually, of all the complaints that I've had of the dialogue. I think the line Brandon has during this scene is actually probably one of my favorite lines in the movie. Uh, after he sucker punches the dude in the face <laughs> and he whips around to all of his stoner buddies, which their stoner buddies watching their, their friend get punched in the face. Yeah. And they're even like leaning on a fence and some trash cans they ain't gonna do anything but Brendan <laughs> when he whips around and he's like I forget what he actually says but it's like I got a full night's sleep so I've got five senses I can take all of you or whatever he yeah. says he's like I've got all five senses plus I slept last night so that puts me six up oh, on that's you that's right that's put, that puts me six on you I I like that line that's like man I wish I could tell people I had a full night's sleep fuck you Brandon fuck you. <laughs> yeah He's probably lying because he's very concerned about Emily. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doe is an interesting character. The... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that the stoner is being like, hey, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like <laughs> when he like beats up Doe, gets the information and then leaves. And the stoner's like, and don't come back here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, thanks a lot, bud. Uh, but Doe's an interesting character because he's like, he knows Emily, he's friends with Emily, possibly more, probably more, mm-hmm. um, which makes him romantic rivals with Brendan. And there's a lot of tailing in the movie where Brendan follows Dode and finds Emily getting out of the car and giving Dode a very intimate hug. I was like, pausing and i was like are they kissing are they hugging are they friends are they not what's going on here i think it's a hug but they are definitely romantically i think involved um and then and then there's all kinds of other tailing that happens in the movie but i think that dode and his relationship and everything is interesting partly because brendan is obviously trying to He's not over his ex-girlfriend, which is part of the story, which is, I think, appropriate for a high school story when you're like, 
that first love i'm so well, in and love he's... and and i'll never get over it and yeah and he's like he he says it several times at the beginning after the phone call where he's like that's her problem i don't give a fuck about her problems mm-hmm. i just gotta find her but then his, his first reaction after he finds her dead is like her problems are my problems. He has that like, I'm going to rescue her mentality. Right. And I, I think in a way of like winning her back to yeah. prove something to her, because when she finally does like come to see him, mm-hmm. that dude like sprints hardcore <laughs> <laughs> to like make it to her. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, poor kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a scene where, you definitely feel that way that he's been trying to find her for a couple of days. And you, I felt like it's more like, Oh, I'm, I believed him. He's like, I just want to check on her, make sure she's okay. I honestly don't care. Uh, It doesn't matter. She'll be fine, whatever, but I just want to make sure she's okay. And then, yeah, she starts like walking down the, like the back of the school towards him and he get up, gets up and sprints. And I'm like, Oh buddy, like you are not (laughs) over her at (laughs) Right. Like, that was not subtle at all. Yeah, right play now, it she cool, is, dude. <laughs> she is thinking like, damn it. All yeah, right. What a simp. <laughs> That's a thing that the kids call people that I, I honestly don't know, but I think it applies. It's just. Oh. Yeah, it's there's a lot of like their whole conversation when Emily comes to see him and she's like, Forget everything I said on the phone. I honestly don't need your help. Don't worry about it. Um, he like he tries to get her back, but then he also like pickpockets her notebook, and <laughs> yeah. And so part of you, part of me, wonders like how much was that playing up or acting or whatever, trying to disarm her and not have her notice the fact that you're stealing her notebook from her to like actually get to the bottom of it because. it's not going to get to the bottom of it in the conversation obviously um so that might be part of it but i also do think he's not over her and i don't think he's over her he has a whole breakdown later on in the movie yeah um (laughs) and even after i I feel like he gets more involved after she died because then then uh, that's when he's like i need to make her problems my problems are like get involved in what she was involved in so that I can figure out how she got caught up in this world that ends up to her death. Like, how do I get It's like, uh, he takes it upon himself. He wasn't able to rescue her. So he has to avenge her somehow. Right. Um, which is why he like plays all sides, which is only one side, but then escalates to become two sides. And you're like, okay, I don't, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's like, well, there's, he's trying to get in with the underground crowd, the Kingpin and all the druggy kids, Laura, like Laura and all these other people, um, which are generally seem to be Ivy League bound upper popular kids mostly. Um, But then he is kind of playing the other side too, where you find out that he was a snitch or a rat or a stool pigeon for the the high school brass, the vice principal, the ass vice principal, and who knows what, who else that he, and I think he like worked for the school newspaper and stuff too. Like he kind of has that, 
when he goes to Kara later on, he's like, I'm working on a story and you better tell me the information or else I can't protect you once it breaks and all this stuff. <laughs> um, so it seems like he worked for the paper like a journalist at the same time. I'm not sure. But yeah, the vice principal stuff, it seems like he he they talk about Jer a lot in the mm -hmm. beginning of the movie. And you end up finding out that Jer was some kid that he was dealing drugs with, selling drugs with and basically sold out to the vice principal to keep out of trouble. Um, and apparently Emily cared about Jer. It's a whole high school drama thing. It's a but, whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he does seem to be playing multiple sides. And part of that is having the high school vice principal like kind of have his back but he mm -hmm. also needs them to like not be public about the fact that he's working with them to keep his cover intact uh i, th I think that whole paradigm is very interesting yeah yeah um yeah brendan being a, a snitch I don't I didn't take him telling Kara he's cooking up a story as like a newspaper kind of thing. I took that as he's like he's kind of telling Kara he's being very honest with Kara, in my opinion, where he's telling her, like, I'm going to dig up the dirt mm -hmm. and just tell every, like everyone's going to find out all of your guys shit. You might as well. Yeah. Kind of help me out while you have a shot, because once it goes he's going to take everyone down. Yeah. And that's kind of like, to me, like I say, I mean, to me, the whole movie is him avenging Emily. Mm -hmm. So anyone who is remotely a part <laughs> of her downfall, he's like going after. Right. Yeah. You will be part of his fury for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. Keep going, Jake. Oh, shit. I, I really like <laughs> the, I like the, like I mentioned before, the pacing and the mystery of the the story, there's a lot of really good clues and imagery and, and notes and things that get passed, whether it's the note that Emily initially gives to him that kind of kicks the whole thing off to meet at this intersection and get the call on the payphone, or particularly the note that Dode slips Emily when he tails her, tails yeah. Dode, and it ends up being like, it looks like an A, like the letter A, and it says midnight on it and you can't really figure it out. I really like that sequence where he's trying to figure it out. He has the piece of paper set up on his like end table in his bedroom. Yeah. And you see like the digital clock behind it. And it's like 1159. It's really close to midnight. And then he has kind of like a, a dream or a vision that the A is not an A. It's just a uh, kind of a symbol or a hieroglyphic of a tunnel like that's the tunnel of yeah. the causeway or whatever that they go to um and it's set up really interesting as well with the conversation with brain where he's like yeah these upperclassmen or these popular kids they have this side hustle drug business and they have these different symbols and codes for different parts of the town we don't really know what it means and all this stuff um i like the flow of information and then how you figure it out and he figures it out. And uh, and also that effect of the when you see it cut from the piece of paper to the tunnel and then it dawns on you. Oh, that's what it is. Uh, right. And then you the the it's like a tarp or a blanket or something comes out of the tunnel and like up over the camera and then it 
that transitions to him in bed, like in mm-hmm. sleeping, but realizing what happened. And it's like the covers are being pulled off that whole sequence. I just think it's maybe one of the coolest like effects of the movie. It is really cool. I like the uh, the mixing that he does with the the imagery where it's like the black trash bag, that tarp, yeah. how it gets like mixed into high uh, high tense situations, mm-hmm. um, especially towards the end. Um, I I agree with you. I think all that stuff, and I think that that comes back to they had no budget. They had mm-hmm. to figure out like interesting ways to transition, to cut, to, I don't know, uh, kind of fill in mm-hmm. some shots, like, cause they don't have their own stock. They don't, they, yeah. they can't afford to film stock and all that. Um, yeah. And just making your first movie, I think that you, you are more creative. You're not stuck in the, this is how movies are made. Cause this is how everybody makes movies. Once right. you've been in the business, you're more like, if I could make a movie and if I needed to figure all these out, I didn't know how, what would I do? And so you can kind of do some new things. Yeah. You can tell that, especially in brick there, there couldn't have been any thought of, Oh, we'll just fix that in post. It was very much like, okay, we actually consciously have to figure out what are we going to do on this scene? How are we going to like, how do we get to, two birds to fly out of this tunnel mm-hmm. oh, crap timing was actually wrong but it turned out better so we're just gonna keep that take mm-hmm. uh which was a thing um <laughs> yeah really cool <laughs> the the tarp and the the black trash bag uh those were also part of that kind of thought process of like well how do we transition we need something to add to this transition for the scene um because we can't afford you know, the big, uh, post-production, right. Magic, you know, sorcery going on. Uh, so we have to figure out interesting ways to do this. And and I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I I think it, I think it challenged them and the challenge paid off because the movie is shot. Well, it's shot very interesting. Uh, and I, I like the, the mixing of the trash bag into the high tense sequences, especially with Brendan, and like mm-hmm. his head getting knocked around for the last half of the movie. I think having that bag, it just kind of adds to the like chaos mm-hmm. of it and kind of the fuzziness of it. I, I think that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Let's get more towards the end, I guess. Okay. Which I, I actually think like the last third of the movie is my favorite part of the movie. I think... Mm-hmm. Because there comes a moment in this film where Brendan puts all he puts about ninety percent of everything together almost yeah. instantly, and like any good murder mystery or detective story, they're able to finally piece the whole puzzle together with one clue that just like clicks. It puts everything in place. It just oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the cigarette, which is the one thing we didn't even bring up earlier. <laughs> so, well, I guess we skipped a whole lot. So, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of misleading in the sense that in the very beginning, when Emily calls him on the payphone, the a car she says she screams tug, and then uh, the moat, the black 
Mustang drives by and somebody throws out a cigarette. Brendan goes to look at it and it has like a little blue arrow and like the way it was laying is like pointing in a direction and it points at like another payphone and you're like, mm -hmm. oh shit, what does that mean? But then he doesn't go to the payphone. No, he just goes to brain and talks to him. And I was like, is it, did that mean something? I don't understand. <laughs> but then, yeah, at the end you realize, oh, actually Laura has those same cigarettes. Yeah, Laura smokes those cigarettes and Laura has spent the better part of the movie getting close to Brendan. She's always offering him rides. She saved him from the pen and tug from killing him. Uh, because even though Brendan to... knows, like he, he thought that she was involved. Like yeah. he, he, when he gets taken to the pins house and he's in the trunk and he's like, well, Laura, I forget her last name, but he says, well, she's in the hallway. She obviously is here. And they're like, no, she's not. And then he like threatens to tell him where the drug kingpin's house <laughs> is and he gets beaten up. And then she definitely pops out of the hallway. She's like, no, don't beat him up. And uh, right. so you're like, you liar. You're the, of course you were here. I mean, of course she's, I can't be the only viewer who thought this might be the worst. We're going to keep you blindfolded yeah. scene ever because tug literally does this to brendan <laughs> yeah walking into the house covers his face with his hand yeah <laughs> they get in the basement tug leaves like takes his hands off of brendan's face which brendan i mean he's surrounded by goons but he could easily have just been like <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> like quick peek and then close your eyes then he covers his eyes again to take him into the pins like lair. Yeah. His office. Like, invest in a, like a hood or something. If you're going to be a kingpin, <laughs> like, at least spend the $3 on a hood. <laughs> I'm sure you've, you've got like a, a potato sack or something you can throw on <laughs> or like grab one of your goons beanies and just pull it over his yeah, eyes. I was going to say, this has to be like early two thousands. It can't be a potato sack. <laughs> true. True. Sorry. Sorry. I just watched Friday the 13th uh, part two a few days ago. So okay. that sounds right. <laughs> a potato sack was still in my mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Laura, like she spends the whole movie and she is that character where you spend the whole time trying to figure out, can we trust her? She's mm -hmm. like very close with Brandon. She's pretty honest with Brandon about a few things and she's constantly asking like, don't you trust me yet? And I love his response of like, oh, I trust you less than I didn't before. <laughs> and you're like, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> she's a classic femme fatale, like yes. walking into the detective's office and, and with like, long legs very enticing trying to yeah. get you to let your guard down but you know she's very dangerous well her first scene she's in that red dress she's like dressed up as a geisha or something and she's singing yeah. at the piano at cultural her... appropriation she's wearing a like a kimono or some shit <laughs> yeah and she's singing and you can tell she owns the place she owns yeah. the the party um People are going to pay attention to her just because they're probably a little bit scared of her. Right. And probably her dad is very powerful or some shit. And her, yeah. So there's, there's some shady shit. Yeah. Um, and then when she's like her and Brendan have made out in bed after he has an emotional breakdown, finally over losing Emily, uh, 
you know, she does that classic mistake where she like leaves it, leaves the clue behind without really thinking about it because yeah. they're comfortable. And that's really, to me, that's when Brandon, like, because he sees the arrow. Mm-hmm. To me, he knows in that moment, but he confirms it when he concocts his plan with Tug of like, I'm going to take your car, mm-hmm. try and get rid of any any tails, and then I'll meet everyone over at the pen so we can solve this, which mm-hmm. is a big story point that or plot point that you and I completely skipped over, which <laughs> kind, kind of a big of deal is a yeah, probably uh, the biggest reveal of the movie. So the, I would argue the second biggest reveal of the movie. Okay. I think the ending has like the reveal. Yeah. Um, fair. So they pin get you or Dode is threatening Brandon. Cause he's like, I saw you go and move her body. Dode is convinced that Brandon is the one that killed Emily. Mm-hmm. And he flat out tells Brandon, like, I'm selling you out. Like you're going to die. I'm going to tell the pin he's going to kill you. This is going to be great. And Brendan's like, you don't understand. You can't do that. Like I didn't kill her and you really don't want to get mixed up in this. This I did not. Right. (laughs) Oh, hi, Mark. Um, (laughs) Go listen to our episode of the room folks. It's awesome. It's Um, it's so good. (laughs) So Brendan gets called to the tunnel. Yeah. With the pin and with Tug and with Dode. And Dode does the worst hinting, which is mm. such a teenage thing. Right. Again, they think they're being clever. Right. And he's like, I'm telling you, it's someone real close to you. And <laughs> standing right next to the pin. You're like, this is this is so bad. <laughs> like, yeah. It kind of says a lot for the pin not being as smart as he's like alluding to because at no point does he look at Brennan and be like did you kill Emily? Are you the guy? <laughs> yeah. Because Toad makes direct eye contact with him every time he says he's real close to you. Yeah. He's super close to you. <laughs> but yeah he's that whole time thinking like not literally physically close to me right now but somebody that I like trust and I'm close to <laughs> right. and all this stuff. I'm not this yeah. kid I met yesterday. <laughs> And then you got Tug, who's like super mad at some blades of grass that he just keeps <laughs> tearing and tearing. Yeah. And yeah, the reveal is like Tug throws his big fit, which not shocking that Tug suddenly is the one coming after Dode mm-hmm. and throws the fit because his whole body language is very much like. Oh, this is more than just he's the muscle. Like he is gone. He's already been set up to be the hothead, but right now he's like, this feels personal. Mm-hmm. And then you got to remember him yelling at Laura at the party. And you realize, like, oh, he's screaming about Emily. Like, yeah. And so yeah, Tug he's, throws. He's his... emotionally involved more than you thought he would be. Yeah. And he beats the shit out of Dode. And then, and and great, like this, this is one of those really good scenes and I think it's shot great. I think it was well-written and all that is when Tug executes Dode where he just pulls a gun out. There's no dialogue. There's no pleas. There's nothing. It's just that, that wide shot from the tunnel 
and you mm-hmm. see the blood and the body slump and then the birds fly out. See Michael Bay and John Woo. That's effective ways to use <laughs> birds flying during a traumatic scene. Uh, <laughs> Not Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, <laughs> and that kind of like blows this whole thing up where Tug points the gun at Pin. And Brandon's like throwing up and sick because he just saw someone get executed for the first time. Yeah, it's not every day in your high school career that you see a murder in the gutter. Right. It's it's gonna kind of like have an effect on you. Yeah. Um and so that's what sets up Brendan like gets taken to Tug's house. <laughs> you're at you're at our place with my mom and dad. Like <laughs> again keep it down your mom and dad are terrible parents they should have been looking at you dressed the same with all of your goons and been like um (laughs) i think we need to have a conversation are you okay son are you leading the cult (laughs) right but like tug's interesting because he's so anti-brendan for the majority of the movie Mm -hmm. well at least the first half and then out of nowhere he just like spills all of the king or the pins details about the bricks of heroin and and then him and brandon are kind of close and and uh and then tug takes brendan to his house and tells brendan like so everyone's at war now or they think there's going to be a war Mm -hmm. and that's the part where i'm like a war with who dode wasn't (laughs) in a gang i mean yeah, are you and the pen like just you two having a war? Because aren't your goons the pen's goons? I'm very confused with your war. Yeah, or the they are going to bring the heat from the bulls onto them. Or the bulls because yeah. you have now a dead girl and a dead guy in the bodies were in the same area. Like bodies, same area. Find out. Both are murders. Yeah. Um, like the heat is on for this and, and I like that Brennan's like trying to figure out like what his next move is because obviously things escalated a little bit worse than what he probably figured it was actually mm-hmm. going to yeah and, I, I mean uh, Tug also admitted that he was romantically involved with Emily yeah and 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 before Dode was executed there's it's revealed that Emily was pregnant. Pregnant, yeah. And uh, and Dode thinks it's his um, before she died. So that's it's it gets very messy as far as not just uh, relationally, but in the <laughs> in legal senses as well. A little bit. It's very, very, very messy. Um, <laughs> and so Brendan's like really concocting his his next moves and that's when laura shows back up and he has his breakdown and Mm -hmm. laura like makes out with him as he's crying you're (laughs) like that's a little manipulative i never took that as like a sweet moment from laura like that ain't comforting that's yeah he's very vulnerable and she's just taking advantage basically oh 100 but yeah that's when she does her like her mistake uh-huh. Or they're smoking in bed after making out and it's like, did they have sex? Because that's like a, a sex scene, but they didn't have sex. This is okay. And uh, 
yeah brennan like does the he sees the cigarette with the blue arrow but when he's telling tug his his plan of i'm going to take your car and drive by the way do you have a a cigarette like Mm -hmm. that's just confirmation to me that's not i i saw some posts of people being like oh that's when he's piecing it together and i'm like no Mm -hmm. they've kind of set brennan up to be that guy where he's able to connect the dots very quickly as long as the dots are like right there in front of him yeah i think that every other character is under has what's the word under assuming that he underestimated underestimating thank you underestimating him that he can put enough together or pay close enough to attention attention like who rolls over the cigarette that was thrown in the street in the beginning to find the right. blue arrow like who would even notice that but he notices a lot of things and pays attention like every good gumshoe would so right. <laughs> i think that that they make mistakes because they feel like who how would he even figure it out but he already has yeah and, and he's got his whole plan of like Let's put Tug and the pin together so they can talk it out, make a deal so that they can get over themselves and we can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it I, I could be wrong, but I've taken it very much of like, no, Brennan totally aims to have them just kill each other. Like that's yeah. his goal in the end is you're both going to go. Yeah, and, and he, he sets them up so that they could kill each other and then he also sets them up that if they don't they'll be taking the fall for these murders and right like he puts emily's body in the back of tug's car and (laughs) and uh so it's it's inevitable that his vengeance or revenge is gonna be uh followed through on oh 100 percent. like there's no no doubt about anything he's covering every base finally Mm -hmm. um and I, I like that he even, this sounds bad, but it, it also comes back to uh, he goes and sees Kara one more time. Mm-hmm. who's in the most ridiculous face paint. <laughs> it's very distracting. Yeah. <laughs> but I like when she tells him, you know, oh, do you still wish you knew what you didn't know? Like, because she tries to warn him because she yeah. knows about the pregnancy. And they have their little conversation. And I like that he ruins her reputation by like the embarrassment embarrassment that he puts her through. I it sounds bad, folks, I know. <laughs> but she kinda deserves it. Someone's gonna be mad. Don't add us, we don't care. <laughs> uh <laughs> when he like takes off her robe and throws her kind of forward to kind of expose her. Yeah. To me, it's him doing that to being like, she's not that great. Like, quit being right. Worshiping <laughs> her, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I, I I like his dialogue where she's like, "Why would you do that?" And he's like, "I just showed him." Like, I forget what word he uses, but he it, it's I just showed everyone like you, yeah. And uh, but he's like he's pieced it all together. Uh, tug and pin get in the big fight you know you can hear everyone saying after a deal's been made and they're like go get this at this last brick because we have to settle the brick because one of them is missing mm-hmm. and uh 
Brendan, possibly potentially the dumbest decision Brendan makes is like, I'll dose it to see like if it's been mixed incorrectly. If I die, I die. If I don't, then we're good. Yeah. Potentially the worst decision Brendan <laughs> makes at that yeah, point. Like, I don't know the logic behind that. I guess maybe that Emily wasn't murdered and she just overdosed. Because she does say in the phone call that something about the brick and she didn't know yeah. it was bad. And so the bad brick could be that the drugs were tainted and mm-hmm. and and that she got got sick and died from them instead of actually getting high or whatever. Yeah. Um, I guess is what that means, but I, that's not how you find out. Like I wouldn't do that. <laughs> that's a terrible plan. I also kind of thought maybe it's him trying to speed things up because he's trying to like, he knows the cops are getting called at four fifteen. Mm. Uh, but again, not the way to go no. about any of that. <laughs> not uh, at all. Like you've made, stupid choices but they've had smart outcomes this could be a very stupid choice with a very stupid outcome brendan like come on man this is a gamble right here getting more reckless yeah but it pays off you know tug and pin getting their big fighting match because the last brick is officially missing Mm -hmm. which you can tell takes brendan off guard because the last brick was not supposed to be missing but it's gone Mm -hmm. you hear the gunshot the fights break out. Brendan makes it out of there while everyone kills each other off. Um, and, and I like that shot. He, he's on the phone with brain and, or no, that was before where he's got like the bag in his hand and the yeah. trunk pops open and he's just talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that shot. I like how slowly the trunk opens as he's like ending his phone call. And then he comes over and he's just holding the bag and looking. Mm-hmm. I, I just I like that shot. I like the way that Ryan Johnson kind of paced that scene and and set it up because you know like his yeah. plan is full motion. Like there's no going back. Everything. Right. Ends. How these clues or things are being slowly revealed and set yeah. up to be revealed. And then my personal favorite scene is the final scene of the movie, dude. It really is. I think his final conversation with. Laura is fantastic. I think that has the best twist. I think it's I think it's the most hard-hitting scene of the movie. Yeah. And I love the final line as well. Just I think the ending makes up for anything, any complaint that I I would have over the rest of the movie. The ending to me really does redeem everything cuz it's such a good twist that I feel is the punch in the gut. Yeah. Cause they've kind of like already been alluding to so much of it. And then to finally have them just say like, whose baby do you think that was? Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> She was pregnant for the last three months before she died. And so you two were still together when she got pregnant. So <laughs> right. That baby is yours or was yours. Was yours. Yeah. And, and her whole reveal where he's like, explaining to her and you as the audience of here's how it all went down. I think it's one of, I think it's a really well-written breakdown of the scene. Yeah. Uh, of the crime of the situation. Cause every detective story has to have the big breakdown of here's how the events transpired. Yeah. And I like that. Uh, and I like that she tells him flat out like, well, 
you got nine out of 10, right? Like she's not going to hide it. And he's like, <laughs> cops have been called. Like you're going down. Everyone is dead. You're the last one out. Like mm-hmm. this is happening. I don't know what more you want from me. Um, and I love how like she leans into him and they cut out like the dirty word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those scenes where this is a scene I feel people can use to argue that brain is only inside Brendan's head because brain does kind of the way it's shot brain comes out from. Yeah. It's the back of his head towards the left. Yeah. So I guess stage right. Um, and he's like asking Brendan, like, what'd she say? And then you have that weird long, and this is such a, like, to me, such an indie film kind of shot mm-hmm. where it's someone walking in a field far away, but they hold the shot <laughs> for like a second or two longer than what's actually necessary. Yeah. And they just hold it on Laura walking away. And then they cut back and he's like, she called me a dirty word. He's like, <laughs> fine, don't tell me. And he walks back, right? But then they cut to Laura walking in the field again. They cut back and Brendan turns to walk away and Brain is nowhere mm-hmm. in, in that wide shot. So I know that's a scene that people have used as their argument towards Brain being. Yeah, I mean, the imagery definitely supports it. It does. Um, but I, I, you've kind of got me siding with you a little bit. I don't know which way I side, man. Do I, <laughs> do I think Brain is real? Do I think he's not? I don't know. It works both ways. Know. And I think that is speaks to the quality of the writing that it doesn't really matter. It kind of adds intrigue to try to figure out. And it's... Yeah it adds, I guess, variety as well, that you can watch it from one perspective and you can watch it from the other perspective and get different things out of the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting too. But yeah, it, it's a very interesting movie. Uh, I would say even, even when I hated the movie, I'm still glad that I watched it and I'm still glad that i was like kind of forced to rewatch it a handful of times with different people yeah just because it kind of helped keep this movie in the back of my mind and that's what kind of you know mm-hmm. was one of the factors to lead me to rewatching it and becoming a fan of it because rewatching it for this episode i was very much like yeah this is like the dialogue still takes me a while to get used to but it's a very entertaining movie it's a very interesting movie mm-hmm and detective noir stuff is always interesting. It's not supposed to make you feel great. Even after the crime is solved, the yeah. whole plot is revealed. You're not necessarily supposed to feel mm-hmm. like, Oh, thank God it's over. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's not always a great, like redeeming arc or a happy ending. <laughs> right. My, my favorite noirs are the ones that are more gritty and there's no good guys. And <laughs> And it's just various shades of gray. Yeah, where it's very like Miller's Crossing style, which mm-hmm. is fair to say because Miller's Crossing was kind of a another influence on Ryan Johnson when he made this movie. Yeah. Uh, where, yeah, like a lot of gray area. There is no definitive good, bad. I mean, Brendan is a snitch. 
Like mm-hmm. he's a professional snitch who happens to be a high schooler, but he's also a really good detective. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brain, if he's real, he's an accomplice right. to not just Brendan's stuff, but you have to kind of assume he's an accomplice to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But he's in, in informed at least, if not completely involved in a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, obviously Laura has some freaky deaky power going on <laughs> and she's probably the, well, I mean, being taken down by the cops as they allude is going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I imagine her dad's like a hotshot lawyer or something. So he's gotta be some powerful dude. She'll bag. be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to love in brick. I think even if you don't love the dialogue, there are just so many different things about the way it's shot or things that happen, things that have stuck with me over the years yeah. that I just have. Um, I, I think about like specifically like the use of footsteps and in the movie and whether it's in the tunnel or when he's being, he's gets attacked by that guy with a knife and he runs away and he's running and he's running and he turns the corner and he, then he takes his shoes off and runs back and is running and, and this, you hear this guy's footsteps getting closer and closer and closer, and he tackles him or trips him. Um, he trips him, and it has one of the most like it might have been intentionally funny. I laugh every time. <laughs> the sound effect, the sound of that guy's head hitting the pole is just yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, it's effective. But there's yeah all those like different things whether it's a shot or an action or a line of dialogue that is just Mm -hmm. different and weird but also kind of sticks in your memory all of those i think are reasons that i like brick yeah it's i think i enjoy watching it more in terms of just how it's shot uh i really like the kind of darker gray color scheme of the whole movie where everything's got kind of that like gray bluish kind of tint to it for a lot of it Mm. Uh, especially in the tunnel uh set piece um yeah it's it's a it is worth the watch it is very different from so many movies and i think that's important and i i think that's why because i i still hear people talk about it and mention it and i think that's Mm -hmm. enduring like that's cool to hear that people almost 20 years later remember brick it wasn't huge but i feel on a cult level it's risen yeah at least and i i think ryan johnson can benefit from his bigger budget films to having people be like i like his I like this movie. Let's see. Yeah. Let's go back and watch when he first started making films. Granted, some people might be turned off because it's way darker than what he's been <laughs> making. Um, yeah. But that's what detective stories are. I mean, they're dark stories or not. Right. Happy go lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is, it, it's such a weird movie. I always go back and forth. I'm like, I don't know if I can say, I love Brick. Mm-hmm. Even now. I can say mm-hmm. I'm a fan of it, but I can't I don't know if I can actually say that I love it. Yeah, I really like favorites. Yeah, I really like Joseph Gordon Levitt in it, but I feel kind of goofy saying that because I'm just a fan of his in general. 
Mm-hmm. But I am, I think I'm a bigger fan of his in this one. Not over his other stuff, but I'm a big fan of him in it because it was right before the big boom. So it's fun rewatching it and just knowing like, man, shortly after this, you, you did 500 days of summer, which is one of my all time favorites. You were in inception. Like you just started showing up in all these movies. He's in one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Like he's just, he's a great actor, Mm -hmm. fantastic actor. Uh, kind of miss him. I mean, he did do that, that, that porno movie, not an actual porno, but he, he did the Don, movie where Don Juan, Don John, or whatever. Don John, yeah, where he plays a guy who's addicted to porn. That movie's a little weird. It's funny, but it's a little, it's a little off-putting. It. You never saw okay. it? No. It's a little off-putting at times. I imagine. Uh, yeah. There's some <laughs> like settings where he's watching his porn on his phone, and you're like there that's where you chose to watch it like okay in public wow (laughs) but it's a cool movie like in terms of being able to look at some of the cast and being like oh i know them from something else they did do something different awesome yeah (laughs) yeah i think brick's great for that a lot of early early actors doing really cool stuff Mm -hmm. i i kind of wish we would get some more uh i think that's why like even though they're not the biggest blockbuster hits right now, but people still show up to them are all the Agatha Christie movies that have been coming out. You yeah. Know, murder on Orient was, I really liked the murder on the Orient express. Uh, yeah. I thought death on the Nile was good, but not, not as well made. I am excited for haunting in Venice. Yeah. I think it should be interesting. I think the detective story, like an actual detective story Mm-hmm. they're fun in terms of like, cause they're darker. They're harder to figure out half of the time, especially if the twist or the killer is well written and well hidden. Yeah. I think that's, that helps. And brick does do a good job of making you like distrust everyone in the mm-hmm. movie. And then when you finally find out, you know, Laura's truth and stuff, you're like, oh, it makes sense. And I should have trusted my gut completely because the moment you see her you're like nope she's bad (laughs) or at least you're supposed to think that (laughs) yeah your guard goes up for sure but she's also very disarming i think she does a good job she is disarming i'll drive you home i'll drive you home (laughs) you trust me yet (laughs) do you trust me yet no bitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah stop asking (laughs) I will tell you when I do. Don't <laughs> hold your breath. <laughs> right. All right. So that's brick, I think. I think that's yeah. Yeah. That's brick. Yeah. I I enjoy it. I think it's a great movie. Um I also don't know if I'd say a favorites, but it's one of those ones that I will always go back to because it's a fun time. It is a fun time. It, it's an interesting time. I will say yeah. that. It's very interesting. So uh, if rewatching it. If you've seen it, we want to know what your thoughts about it because it's A, a very different kind of movie and B, I think pretty complicated. So if there's anything we missed or anything that you think is interesting that adds depth or adds hints or clues, um, shout out to us 
yeah yeah and instagram Uh, or just call the show you can leave a voicemail let us know what your thoughts are and the movie is a polarizing one so i'd be curious to hear from both sides of the people that are huge fans of it like like you who absolutely fell in love with it right away and also the ones that were like me from yeah the first few times of seeing it where you're like i hate this why (laughs) like I know dialogue is a big turnoff in this movie for a lot of people, but I'm curious to know if there was anything else in it that may have turned people off from it. Yeah. Um, I th- I still can't get over how terrible of parents are. I'm trying to decide who's <laughs> who are worse parents, the parents in Brick or the parents in It. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. But also... <laughs> It was like in the 80s, and so nobody knew where their kids were in the 80s. A true. They had to have ads on TV that came on at 10 o'clock that said, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your Do children you know are? Do you know where your children are? <laughs> no, they're out running amok. <laughs> Shit, the streetlights are turned on. They should have been home an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bricks, the parents who are quote unquote in it. <laughs> Do better be better be better <laughs> yeah let that be a lesson to all you parents yeah. out there uh share your thoughts about brick with us if you've seen it if you've never seen it um go watch it it's worth a watch it really is worth a watch yeah i don't think we did it justice all of the shots and reveals and everything is still worthwhile well, it's, it's like you said when you uh were talking about you were making your notes mm-hmm. of like all the plot points like, Oh, Brendan goes here. here. Here's your phone call. And you're 30 minutes into a movie with like a page full of just mm-hmm. events. And you're like, it's a two hour movie. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot happens. A lot feeds into each other and feeds off each other. And it's, it's a complicated and, but also great story. And the, yeah, the way that it's done, the dialogues, the transitions, the shots and everything well worth watching. So I mm-hmm. highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, next episode, if you are excited for spooky season like us, um, our next episode, I think, comes out on the 1st of October. So officially spooky season then. So we are doing our top 10 final girls, which oh, yeah. should be a very, very fun episode. Love the am... movie. Love that trope. And I know we have a lot yes. of good ones to talk about. I'm very curious to see what your list ends up looking like uh there's been a few where i've been like man i wonder like <laughs> is she gonna show up uh, i have some clear obvious winners that have to be on the list and i also have some surprises i'll tell you good that. i think i have uh, i don't worry i'm not spoiling anything but i i may have one i haven't finalized the list yet okay. uh, but i have one that I might be pulling a U with mm. where I'm going to have to like have a, a defense prepared, but I haven't decided yet if I really okay. want that or not. Sure. Uh, but I'm excited for fi- our final girls episode. I've been prepping for that one for a while because <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and then after that, we have a, a real special fun one. Well, we've got like a couple super fun episodes coming up. Uh, yeah in october yeah, three in october so final girls and then 
we're doing a thing where if you've tried to go back and listen to our earliest beginning episodes, uh, the quality wasn't great because we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Still kind of don't, but quality has improved. So um, we've actually cut out or taken offline our first like five or six episodes. And they'll, I think they'll still be available on our website if you want to like go back and be a super fan and listen to them because they are really fun. But there are some audio quality issues. And so our first handful of episodes we're going to redo as, uh, as, and also because our lists have changed. So uh, we've done like top 10 action, top 10 sci-fi, all of those. Um, we're going to be redoing those with what our list is now. And then also with good quality as decent hosts. So our top 10 horror is our first one of those, which was of course, one of our favorites. And uh, that one should be very exciting. Yeah, I am very excited for that. I have been full swing spooky movie watching. <laughs> uh, my daughter gave me a little crap because she was like, Dad, you normally wait to have your giant like scary movie marathon mm -hmm. until October. And you're just what, like, are you doing two months of scary? And I'm like, yep. Pretty much. <laughs> We're doing it. Yeah. And then I was like, and on top of that, football is back. And she's like, ugh. <laughs> yep. It's, it's the fall. most wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I freaking love fall. Oh, All so right. Good. So yeah. All right, guys. Until next time, we appreciate you. And uh, we'll see uh, you later. Sounds good. Have a good one, guys. Thank you very much. Oh, go subscribe and do all that stuff because it helps out the show. That's and true. We, we appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks yes. for listening to the last couple seconds of the episode. Okay, I love you. Bye. bye.